Well, boy, that was good, wasn't it? Let me first of all mention that uh, I visited uh, uh, Dow Allen after and the family after the service this morning. I mentioned, I said yesterday, actually, it was Friday that he had the accident. And um, the swelling in the, in the brain and the swelling on the cord had uh, not gone down. And then Brother Queen went by to visit uh, just before church. And Mrs. Allen mentioned that uh, they were going to have to do surgery in the morning to try to relieve some of the pressure. Is that right? And so they're going to go into the base of the skull and try to do some surgery in the morning. So it's very important that you pray in the morning. So please, 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 surgery early in the morning and you pray that, uh, that a miracle will take place. So far, he does his, his legs are twitching, but they're not, uh, uh, there's, there's still no feeling there. And so I'd ask you to please pray. I'm going to, uh, this is not going to be a sermon, sermon. In fact, it really ought to be a Bible study. But I'm going to give you five scriptures that we're going to look up together. And then I'm going to give you um, eight uh, things, and then we're out of here. So I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at these verses together. I have this, you see a little yellow, you see a little yellow right there? right there? I put those on all my Bibles. I have 42 Bibles, and that's number 42. And uh, I, the other day, well, several weeks ago, I was just scanning through the Bibles I've had. Um, that's just since I've been here in Texas. That doesn't include uh, up north. Um, I used to type all my sermons out, and I discovered a wide margin Cambridge Bible, and then I started writing them out uh, in, in my Bibles. And um, so I went through all the old Bibles, and I discovered that I had, uh, one, I had 50 sermons I hadn't preached. I had another Bible. I had 45 sermons I hadn't preached out of it. Young, young person, sit up, sit up. Thank you very much. And um, one, I had 75 sermons, hadn't preached out of it. And I, I did not realize that just because I, I fill up in the back of my Bible, I put down the uh, title. Take a look at it. You see a title. You'll see a page number. You'll see a scripture. And um, I was going through um, my Bibles looking for a, um, a, 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 a illustration that I'd used in a sermon and I came across this. I'm not. I don't know where this came from, uh, but I, I want to give you tonight stages of giving. I, uh, according to uh, my Bible that I had it in, I've not given it to you. I, I, I don't think I have. At least according to the Bible that I had, I have not given it to you. But stages of giving. So I'm not sure where I got it. I may have gotten it from John Rice. I may have gotten it from Jack Hiles. I may have gotten it from Lee Robertson. I may have gotten it from somebody. But this is a great truth tonight, and I want to... Well, don't look at me that way. You go to somebody's house, and they cook a good meal. You always ask for the recipe. And so, Luke chapter 2. Did we pray? We've not prayed. We better get God in on this, haven't we? Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of a New Testament church and this feeling of family that we have here. That um, brothers and sisters in Christ... Um, what you referred to in that Bible study, I told the folks about brotherhood, something special, uh, and an identity that we have here. I love it. I love it. Wouldn't think about going anywhere else. Wouldn't, couldn't, couldn't tempt me to go somewhere else. And I pray the folks tonight will just will just mold ourselves as a family and get this thing straight about this matter of giving this month of January. So talk to us tonight, please. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. Luke chapter, uh, five, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 51. And he came down with them and came to Nazareth. This is Jesus, talking about Jesus. And was subject unto them. 
But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Verse 52. And Jesus increased. I want to circle that word. Here's the Son of God, but he grew. Here's the Son of God, but he increased. Increased in what? The Bible says increased in wisdom. That's seeing life from God's point of view. He increased in wisdom. And stature. Or that word is a word for age. He increased in wisdom and stature or age and in favor with God and man. Now, if Jesus is our elder brother and Jesus, being the son of God, had to increase in wisdom and he was trapped in flesh like you are, it was not sinful flesh, but it was flesh. Then doesn't it make sense that you and I have got to increase as we see life from God's point of view? That means that when we first start out, we don't see life like God sees it. We see it like we see it. And uh, so he increased. Now, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 10. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 10, And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, watch this, that ye increase more and more. Say that with me. Increase more and more. Say it again. Increase more and more. Apparently, then, we are to increase in wisdom or as we see life from God's point of view. Okay, let's take it. A child does not see life from God's point of view. Now, every once in a while, you have an unusual child who's filled with the Spirit of God, has God's hand on him, the power of God, but that was because he chose so. Uh, Spurgeon was that way as a teenager, but he chose that. Any teenager could have the power of God. Any teenager can have God's power of any teenager if they choose to do so. But there's an increase in seeing life from God's point of view as well as age and then gaining favor with God. Okay, now go with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, let's uh, take a look at verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Hold it. Didn't say his head. Said his heart. Uh, you come to a teen convention or youth conference or, or a sorting clinic or a pastor school, and you decide, well, you hear great preaching. You decide to do something. And somebody says, oh, it was just the emotion of the moment. Wait a minute. According to the Bible, the decisions you make are supposed to be in the heart. That's where they're supposed to be. Purpose in the heart. Um, that's why later on you say, well, I don't think I was called. I don't think so. At that moment, you're backslid. Not right with God and probably not in a church service and probably not hearing preaching. Come on, somebody say amen now. All right. Now watch it. He said, every man according as he purposed in the heart, so let him give. So it needs to be emotional. That's what he's saying. It's got to be emotional. But you folks fight it, don't you? Yeah, this stewardship month, if you could just call in sick for a month, you'd be all right, wouldn't you? Uh, but you, you, you don't want to let your heart get into it because you may have to start giving. Uh, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, you have two things here, giving and giving cheerfully. Now, you say, well, I'm just not giving cheerfully. Okay, give begrudgingly. Be a grouch when you give. There are two sins here. The spirit that you have and the act that you're doing. So you can, have, you can commit the sin of having a bad spirit or the sin of not giving. 
God wants you to give even if you're a grouch. Now, take a look at verse 10. Boy, you all excited about this tonight, I can tell. Look at verse 10. Now, he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply, circle the word multiply, and multiply your seed sown. We've been doing a little uh, survey of, of we're going to have a missions conference. And so I was just kind of curious what one church, uh, this church here, Faith Promise Giving, I was just curious as to what the impact of it was. Uh, Brother Vernon Lovelace has been doing the study for Brother Hitt. And he, he said to me, Preacher, you're not going to believe this. I've only gotten to 16. If you're chewing gum, swallow it or put it in your left nostril or put it behind your ear. I'm going to make you go around and clean up the, all the gum up around here. You're not a cow. Don't chew your cud. Swallow the thing. Well, we just lost a new family that time. Uh, now, what was I talking about? Money. <laughs> you acquire money. That's what he's talking about. Uh, but Vernon Lovelady did say 16. We've only, we've only gotten to 16 missionaries we support. Listen to this. 44,000 baptisms. Somebody shout amen. 44,000 baptisms, and we've only gotten through 16 missionaries. You see how it multiplies? You see, you can complain about what, all the things we do wrong around here and all this kind of stuff, but God's shouting about the people getting saved. You can be a bellyacher and keep bellyaching, and pretty soon you'll be on Luke 281 heading somewhere. But the truth of the matter is, you've got to get this settled right now. This is a soul-winning church, and, 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 uh, and God is blessing the missions effort. Just multiply it. And multiply your seed sown. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. So God is saying, I want you to increase in wisdom. You see life when you're, you're 12 and 13. You ain't hearing half of what I'm saying. When you're 9 and 10, you're hearing about 10% of what I'm saying. That's all you're hearing. Why? Because you don't see life from God's point of view. You're not wise. You're not grown up. You're a kid. You're a baby. But God said Jesus increased in wisdom, or as he saw life from God's point of view, as, as well as age. And then the Bible says we're to increase more and more. Then the Bible says God will take that and multiply it. God will actually multiply it. Look, do you realize there's three parts of the Great Commission here? We had people saved today. We baptized people today. And we'll have, we have Christian schools this week and a college this week. And we're going to be doing the third part of the Great Commission. We ordained four couples on Wednesday night to send them into the ministry full-time. We've got 322 couples that are full-time in service now. That's multiplying. Every one of those couples, that go, every time Dexter Landers in San Francisco wins somebody else to Christ or he baptized another 300 or 400 or 500 or the soul winning clinic, uh, uh, Daryl Cox, 2,000 baptisms and others, it multiplies itself if you give and increase more and more. Boy, this is good. Somebody ought to be shouting right now. Take your Bibles and turn to Second Corinthians chapter 10. Boy, in the Bible, wonderful. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Take a look at verse 15. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 15. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased. Now, Paul is saying to, to these folks at Corinth, he said, now, when your faith is increased, when you grow, look what happens, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Now, he said, when your faith increases... 
and you give, then I am able to win more people to Christ. Now, take a look at verse 16. To preach the gospel in the regions. What are the next two words? Beyond you. Say it again. Beyond you. He's saying because your faith increased and you saw, saw life from God's point of view in a greater way today, then you give more, and as a result, I'm able to get the, the gospel to regions beyond you. Well, this is good. And not to boast in another man's line of things made ready, ready to our hand, but he that glorified, let him glory in the Lord. The Lord set this system up. The Lord is the one that set it up. The Lord's the one that established the New Testament church. The Lord is the one that says you ought to tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. The Lord is the one that said, I'll open up the windows of heaven if you'll give an offering. The Lord set this up. If we will just get in on His program. All right. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 90. Psalm 90, please, in verse 12. Psalm 90 in verse 12. Just jot it down. I'll read it to you. Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days. Watch this. That we may apply our hearts. Now watch this. He said, figure out how many days you think you'll have on earth. Number them. Then you apply your emotions. In other words, the closer you get to it, the more excited you ought to be about working for God. When you get older, you shouldn't get colder. When you get older, Dr. Jack Howes was dancing around on a platform preaching while he was 74, having a heart attack in Mexico while we were with him and nobody knew it. He was preaching his heart. He thought that was the last sermon he ever preached. He gave it everything I had. Dr. Lee Robertson in his 90s, preaching, preaching, and preaching, and preaching, and preaching. He, he may not know where he's at, but he can preach a sermon. Somebody say Amen. And he's excited now. We're excited now. And he's ever been. So God said, as you increase in wisdom, you see life from God's point of view, then you are wise enough to apply, know the number of your days. You ought to sit down and write down the number 70, subtract how old you are, and the closer you're to that number, the more excited you ought to be. But some of you deadheads around here, you've been saved 20 years. You're dead on a doornail. You don't smile. You don't say amen. You don't wave. You ladies ought to be waving hankies. You men ought to be standing to your feet waving your Bible. But no, you've been saved so long. You know the next uh, joke, the next sermon of those You don't get excited about nothing. Hey, the older you get, the more. Hey, look at me. Look at me. Beats getting pregnant outside of marriage, gal. Beats catching some venereal disease. Amen. Brother, you give me an old-fashioned hellfire, damnation, Baptist preaching church. It'll keep you clean. Number your days. And the older you get, the more excited you ought to get. It's a shame. Mrs. Maddie's out here waving a hanky. She's 90,000 years old. Out here waving a hanky. You young girls, you just you can't even nod your head all the way up now. And you college boys, you can't even say amen. College boys. Don't even tithe. You know, I'm not going to get on that. Uh, you're a crook. You're going to lead God's people and not tithe. You're a crook, a dirty crook. You've got no business leading God's people. Now look at it. Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days. How many days you got left? 
that we may apply our hearts or the seat of our emotions. Emotion. Guy said to me this morning, he said, Reverend, I think you could talk the skin off of a snake. Guy went back and he, he said, I, I'm not coming. I said, yes, you are too. He said, no, I'm not coming. I said, you promised me you're coming. I'm not leaving you come. He went back in the house, got his coat, came out, and he said, I believe you could talk the skin off a snake. No, I said, you just gave me your word. I'm, I'm, I'm making you keep your word. Come on, help me now. Now watch it. Apply our hearts unto what? Wisdom. Under what? Wisdom. Seeing life from God's point of view. You big lug, you're not even going. You're nothing but a six-year-old or a seven-year-old, and you haven't got enough wisdom to blow the fuzz off a peanut. You're not growing at all, and God said you're supposed to grow. Somebody help me now. You're supposed to grow. Now, let me give you some stages tonight. I want you to write them down quickly. We're going to get out of here because I'm hungry. Stages of giving. Number one, baby giving. Baby giving. Someone else does all of your thinking. Someone else does all of your giving. They put your name on an envelope and turn it in. Now, let me stop and say, every parent ought to have a box of envelopes for every kid you got. Every kid you have ought to have a box of envelopes. Girls, are you listening? Are you listening? A box of envelopes. With the name of that, I mean, if that kid is born on Friday, you ought to have a box of envelopes by Sunday. You ought to have get a box of envelopes and put that kid, go to, the, go to Mrs. Walters, go in the financial department and tell them, I've got 16 kids, I want 16 boxes. If you don't have 16 kids, get with it. That's God, we've got to build a church one way or another. Now, uh, but but get you some boxes. Every kid. Every kid. Brother Spears, Mr. Spears, it's okay. You don't have to. Uh, but Abraham and Sarah. Uh, Miss Lloyd, how would you like to have a sister? But uh, now, somewhere in here, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to realize it's got to start somewhere. It's baby giving. Baby giving. Some of you husbands, your wives are still uh, giving you pablum spiritually. They fill out the envelope. They put the name on it. They think for you. And they turn it in. I'll pause when somebody says amen. Why don't you grow up, you big lug? Why don't you get right with God? The guy said to me last week, I'm going to tie this whole month and feel good. <laughs> Number two, elementary giving. Elementary giving. Someone does all your thinking and provides now the means. So it starts out with baby giving. So that does all the thinking and giving for you. Then you get into elementary giving. Someone does all your thinking and provides the means. What do they do? Allowance. They give you a job. Clean out your room. Mow the grass. And you mow it half-hearted. I hate that. When the kids used to mow it, they'd leave a, a, something like that little strip down the middle. Oh, I told my wife, don't you ever leave those things in that lawn like that. But anyway, someone does all of your thinking and provides the means. A job, allowance, and then you give. All right? I said number one. First one is what? Baby giving. Talk to me. Is what? Baby giving. Number two is what? Elementary giving. Number three, middle school giving. Middle school giving. That's when someone provides the rules and admonishment. Someone looks over your shoulder 
to make sure you give. Every parent knows what this is like. Here's a kid that has a, a paper route. What do you do? You stand over that kid every week and say, okay, kid, are you tithing? You say, how do you know? Because my mama did it to me. I had a paper route. She made me tithe. I did all the, our kids. We made them tithe. The average high schooler in Christian school, if you ask them to fill out a budget, they won't even put tithes on there. Their minds are on everything else except God. Now, that, but what happens? It's middle school giving. Someone stands over their shoulder. Someone looks over their shoulder and makes sure that they give. Where are you tonight? Are you a baby giver? Your wife does it for you? Or are you man enough to take the leadership in that home and say, we are going to increase in wisdom and stature. We're going to get older, but we're going to see life from God's point of view. And then number two, elementary giving. Then number three, middle school giving. Where are you? Number four, junior high giving. Junior high giving. Now you have a choice. Ten percent, and nobody looks over your shoulder. You give ten percent, and that's it. You ain't about to give eleven percent, ten point five percent, ten point one percent. You make two hundred sixty-nine dollars and fifty cents. You give twenty-six dollars and ninety-five cents. You ain't going to round it up. You ain't going to round it down. That's junior high giving. Where are you at? And by the way, Brother Caps is exactly right. Verse 38 says nothing about money. And in the verse before, he talks about forgiveness. Do you know you can't forgive people if you haven't been forgiven? Do you know if you're bitter tonight and upset tonight and you're captured and the Bible calls it a bond of iniquity? You keep hating, you build another slot. You keep hating, you build another slot. You keep building a, a file against somebody, then you build a little box, and it's a bond of iniquity. You're trapped. You're trapped yourself, mentally and spiritually. It's not worth it. So somewhere in here, what you better do is you better giving. It's not, he's not just talking here about money. He's talking about giving mercy, about giving forgiveness, giving faith. So... Uh, stages of giving. What are they? Number one. I said number one, what? Baby giving. Number one, what? Baby giving. Number two, what? Elementary giving. Number three, what? Middle school giving. Number four, what? Junior high giving. Number five, high school giving. High school giving. You give 10%. And money is no big deal. Because you have little responsibility. Your teen working years. Mom provides the food. Dad provides the roof. He, they uh, make sure your health, your teeth are okay. They make sure your health is okay. You get sick, they take you to the doctor, and they pay the bill. You don't pay it. They pay it. They pay for the electricity. They pay for the insurance on the house. They put gas in the car. They provide vehicles for you to ride and drive. Well, what's happening here? You, you have no care in the world. And you don't bother you to give 10%. doesn't bother you at all because you have no responsibility. None whatsoever. I said, number one, baby giving. I said, number two, elementary giving. I said, number three, middle school giving. I said, number four, junior high giving. Number five, high school giving. You give 10%. Money is no big deal. Uh, but you, because, simply because you have little responsibility. You, look, folks, you teenagers, don't you understand you got it made? Free room and board. You idiot, you. Live there as long as you can. Hey, boys. Hey. Scoot down to the end. Scoot down to the end. All the way, all the way. All of you scoot down. All of you scoot down. Scoot all the way down. All the way down, son. All the way down. 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 Now shut up. 
Listen to me. Did you boys tithe this morning? Okay, good. That's like Bill Burr. Bill Burr, when he's a singer, evangelist, leading the singing. And I was preaching at Howes Anderson. He got up and he said, boys, let me give you a little lesson here. When Bob Gray comes to town, I always win a soul whether I do or don't. I said, number one, what is it? Baby giving. Talk to me. What is it? Baby giving. Number two, what? Elementary giving. Number three, what? Middle school giving. Number four, what? Junior high giving. Number five, what? High school giving. No responsibility. Mom pays it. Dad pays it. You got it made. You know. You don't realize. You're so dumb. You don't even realize you got it made. Everybody look at me now. Everybody look at me. We're not right now. Everybody sit up straight. Sit up straight. Look at me. I'm saying to you that these are different stages you go through. Number six. College and career giving. Oh, boy. College and career giving. Responsibilities start to come now. I was talking to Todd Webb yesterday, and he said Jonathan had to pay $600 for books for one class. For one class. For one class. Boy, things are different now. <laughs> I guarantee you Todd didn't buy them. Uh, things are different now. Uh, college career. Responsibility start. Let me tell you what else starts. Temptations begin. College and uh, age. Temptations start coming. And by the way, the longer you can hold it off as a teenager, the better off you are. You go ahead, young lady, and give your body to a young man, and he won't want you because you'll be a tramp in his eyes. They don't want a second-hand bride. Go ahead. Just give yourself to somebody and try to explain it to your husband after you're married. College uh, response giving. Responsibilities start to come. Temptation comes. How about this one? Money starts to be a big deal now. Why? I got a car I got to support. I got insurance for that car. I've got gas, and gas has gone up to two fifty a gallon. And now they're going to try to get it up to three dollars. They say. I think they just blow Iran off the map. It'd be okay with me. But money's starting to be a big deal. Facing decisions. How about this one? Selfishness enters. You are at your height of selfishness when you get to college. You are at your height just as you get out of those teenage years and you get into college years and all of a sudden all the responsibilities hit you. Now, all of a sudden, if you don't watch it, you become uh, you turn inward and you become selfish and you start thinking about yourself. You don't think about the people dying and going to hell. You don't think about the bus routes that need to be run. You don't think about the things that I've got a car, I've got a feed. A Z-28. I'm going to date it myself, I guess. Huh? I got me a Mustang. I've got to feed that baby. Now, wait a minute now. That's said college giving. And then, boy, here it comes. Marriage. You think you got it rough just being a college student? Son, you wait till that woman finally does land you. That one you've been chasing, she's been leading you along, buddy. It's a trap. Turn back. So what happens? You're in love. She's in love. And you think two of you can, can live on love. But the landlord needs money. The electric bill is getting bigger. Why? There's two of you. And then she has the nerve to come home and say, I'm expecting a baby. Now there's three of you. And then the crazy woman will come back a year later and say, we're expecting another one. You've got five before you figure out what happened. 
It's the water in that drinking fountain in that hallway over there. Then the next thing you know, all of a sudden now you're, you're married. And the responsibility has hit you. Now, if you don't go through these stages and increase more and more, and if you don't grow in wisdom and see life from God's point of view, you're going to be divorced. A selfish husband will wreck a home. A selfish mom will wreck a home. And all of it built while you were young. Mama, you gotta teach these youngins to be unselfish. Daddy, you gotta teach these youngins to be unselfish, but they can't do it unless they see life from God's point of view. I said number one, what's the first one? Tell me. Baby giving. Number two, what? Elementary giving. Number three, what? Middle school giving. Number four, what? Junior high giving. Number five, what? High school giving. Number six, what? College giving. And then here we go. Number seven, career giving. Career giving. Now you're married, you have responsibilities, and you find yourself back on track now. The goo goo, ga ga, gee gee, with the little baby, the cuteness is gone. Your wife's cute figure is gone. That sand in that hourglass shifted. By the way, fella, look in the mirror, so did yours. <laughs> and so what happened? Now you settle in. You're used to marriage, used to the children, now you focus on career. Now you've, you've figured you've got to get things straightened out. You've got to get things online. The people who learn this quicker are the ones who get the blessings of God quicker. The people who figure, hey, teenager, you can have the power of God now. You can have wisdom with God now. Don't get sidetracked. You're back on track. Now you start, write this down, making quality commitments to God. Now you start making quality commitments to God. When I stood in that hallway and looked at Kimberly, my wife said to me last night, she said, we were looking at some pictures, she said, I believe that's the most beautiful baby that's ever, ever been born to a couple. And I believe it. I mean, she was gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. I don't know what happened after that. They kept getting worse and worse. But the first one was absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. I mean, gorgeous. And I remember standing in that hallway with my wife standing beside me, and we wept as we looked in through that window and saw that bundle of joy at that time uh, born to us. Dark hair, dark eyes, most beautiful thing we'd ever seen in our life. And we wept. And let me tell you something. The next Sunday, I was sober. I don't mean I was drunk. Just shut up. Uh, <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, I mean, I was, uh, uh, what was somber. That's what I was. I was somber. And the next Sunday morning, all of a sudden, it, the sermon meant a little bit more to me. All of a sudden, I, I went back to the hospital. And I took that Bible and I laid it up on that window. And I said to her, Kimberly, and people laughed at me. But I said, honey, I'm going to raise you according to this book. I made up my mind. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, somber, yeah. Uh, commitments, solid commitments, oh yeah, oh yeah. May I say stage eight? I said number one, what's the first one? Baby giving. Number two, what? Elementary giving. Number three, what? Middle school giving. Number four, what? Junior high giving. Number five, what? High school giving. Number six, what? What is it? College giving. Number seven, what? Career giving. Number eight, what? 
I haven't told you yet. Ah, right now, growing giving. Growing giving. Growing giving. Now you have purposeful giving. Now you have sacrificial giving. You have give-it-alls and you participate because you love your church and you want your church to be strong and to reach more people with the gospel. Now it's cheerful giving. Now it's consistent giving. And now you place your finances in the hands of God. Growing giving. Now let me ask you a question tonight. Where are you at? Where are you at? Are you a baby? You know that $5 tip doesn't, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't take the curse off. You make four or five hundred dollars a week and you give God twenty dollars. You're so faithful you get twenty dollars every week. It still doesn't take the curse off. Why don't you pay your house payment that way? You got a five hundred dollar house payment, put two hundred dollars down on it and expect them to smile about it. Come on, somebody say amen to me. Hey, it's time you woke up. It's time you realize you've got to grow. Jesus grew in wisdom. He saw life from God's point of view more and more every day as well as age. And then God said, grow, increase more and more. And then what happens? Now you find yourself growing in giving. I'm not, I'm not bragging on myself, but I, I've learned this. There's a lot of things about me I wish that were not a part of your life. I'm as stubborn as a day is long. Shut up. And I've got a temper. Boy, I've got a temper. I've got a hot temper. No, <laughs> I guess maybe I don't. Uh, I'm stubborn, but, I, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you. We well, parked there a while. Uh, but I, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. It's been many years. I've given more than my salary to this church and God's work. Don't, don't bother me a bit. Now I've got, I'm able to travel, I'm able to preach, and able to do some things, and, and that's okay. But maybe that's why God allows me to keep on preaching, keep on traveling. Maybe there's a principle here that maybe you could grow too. God could trust you with more if you give more. Maybe, that, maybe that's what that's all about. Maybe that giving is a lot more than just giving dollars. Maybe, maybe Brother Caps is right. Could he, for the first time in his life, gotten something right here? I mean, I mean it doesn't say money. Could it be that you've developed a selfish lifestyle that's caused... That's why you don't go soul winning. That's why you don't give the mercy and forgiveness. of You don't forgive people. You hold it against them the rest of their life. But the truth is, if you're the kind of person that grows in wisdom and giving, you forgive more today than you ever have. You have more mercy today than you've ever had. I don't know where you're at in this, but you determine it. What, do you hear what he said? You decide. You decide. That's up to you tonight. Let's bow our heads, please. Our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Everybody standing. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Everybody standing. I wonder how many of you say, Preacher, I'm stealing from God.